Welcome to Leader Spotlight. On this podcast, we bring you the stories of leaders, their personal journeys, and we put a spotlight on the inspiring things they are doing in their organizations. Hello, everyone. I'm Annette Klozowski. I'm your host. I'm an executive coach, a speaker, and a peer advisory board leader. And I'm really excited about our guest today, Addison. We are talking with Lindsay Agnes and how to sharpen your inner game, which we probably all could use. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially coming out of uh, out of the pandemic. And um, yeah. she is CEO and founder of Change Corp. She is a change maker and a master trainer of NLP, which I'm excited to hear about. Hmm. Um, I love her background in change management. I too have some background in, in that, but she has worked across public and private sectors, um, she was early on a consultant with Price Waterhouse, which I love, and she is focusing on leading through digital culture change and what leaders need to know how to lead into the future. So I love that. It's great because that's something that we talk about a lot and that we're very passionate about just internally and with what we do every single day. So it's really fun to be able to have different takes on this and receive some different perspective. Delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank We're you. excited to have you. And it's <laughs> going to be fun to gain that different perspective. And yeah, like Annette said, we'll be able to be a listener as well, a consumer of all the information that you'll share, which is exciting. <laughs> Good. So you are one of UK's leading change specialists, which I love. Um, and I love a lot about your background. Um, you have four best-selling books. So we could probably even do an episode on each of your books. Um, you do stuff in the um, NLP re- arena, which I love. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot I know that we can talk about, but let's kind of just start with, you know, really just how to sharpen your inner game. Because I think that's probably so relevant right now with everything we've been through and talk about change, man, we, mm. we just lived through um, a huge lab experiment, I feel like, <laughs> with, with what we're doing. So, so talk about a little bit about how you approach just sharpening your inner game. Yeah, I'm delighted in that and delighted to, to be on this uh, podcast today. Yeah, I think I think one of the most common mistakes that people often make is that somehow it's everything out there, you know, that uh, that shapes what happens to them. And of course it does to, to a certain extent. But one of the things that we can really work on as leaders is this thing that I call our inner game, which is our own mindset, you know, and what we believe is possible for us. And, and one of the things that I've learned over the years particularly through getting into neuro-linguistic programming, is that it's both a kind of rational mind and an emotional unconscious mind that come together to build that inner game and that potential of what we believe is possible. I mean, one of the things I learned a while ago, and I was really surprised by it actually, is there was some research done at Duke University. I think it was back in something like 2006 now. And and they figured out that uh, literally about 40% of our behaviors uh, are generated unconsciously. So it's like there's a trigger and we do something. Uh, And so very often we're not even aware of of what's going on. You know, we get into these patterns of behavior. And and Annette, you said that you were a coach, you know, and one of the things that I got from my coaching very early on was that people can have really great goals 
for themselves and then they kind of get a bit stuck you know and, and actually doing something about those goals can be a real challenge for them and it's often because you know that inner game or their their unconscious mind is not aligned in in, mm -hmm. in how it needs to be you know with their rational conscious way of, of wanting to achieve and so a lot of my work in organizations with individuals I feel is, is helping to align those two things so it's not only that you've got some goals that you're focused on it's really believing that those goals are possible for you and lining up your behavior to support you know the achievement of, of those goals so when I talk about inner mindset you know that's in a game and in a mindset that's really what I mean it's about aligning you know everything that's going on up here both the rational is we often talk about you know the the conscious mind being the what you know of, of being mm -hmm. successful so it's the what you know of, of listing goals and having goals but actually the important thing is that inner unconscious piece which is the how so if you've got the what without the how then you know achieving that success to your full potential can often be pretty tricky but if you get the what and the how working together then you know you really are setting yourself up for for success so right. i hope that <laughs> it's quite yeah. a long answer <laughs> no it's great well i I'm curious too, because in my coaching, what and I hear and I lead executive groups, I think we're what we have been through. So if we think about the pandemic and what happened in organizations mm. where um, you know, we went complete virtual. So there was a lot of scrambling, yeah. people trying to figure out that, that leaders trying to figure out how to lead mm. that way, get people through it. Um, we had the whole psychology of just going through a pandemic, the personal impacts we had, right? With families, people being sick, yeah. losing people. And then yeah. you had everything going on with what was going on at work. And then, you know, you go through burnout, you kind of, you know, people rise up through challenges. Yeah. And then you you come back to where we're trying to settle back into some norm. And I think there's confusion and it's probably living in this inner space of like, I think people are questioning you know, what am I doing? And, and is this what I want to be doing? And, mm. you know, trying to find that alignment with what mm. they've just been through. Am I, is this what I really want to be doing? And so can you talk a little bit about um, kind of what you've seen, or maybe it's your um, expertise of how do people reset their inner being and align, mm. get aligned to, okay, you know, I'm back on the, you know, I'm back on the tracks <laughs> mm. and, um, you know, I don't have as much fight as I had, or mm. I figured out that I was fighting for the wrong things. Mm. Like what, what do you mm. say to somebody that finds themselves into that state of confusion, um, which we call the great resignation, right? Which yeah. I feel mm. like it's people, just getting realigned to maybe mm. their calling or what they really want to do. But, but mm. what, what, what's advice you would give somebody that's in that place? Yeah. I, you know, I really agree. There's, there's so much going on at, at the moment. And, and I think one of the things that um, is, is really important is that people are very mindful of, of taking a, a different leap, if you like, you know, and, and whereas on the one hand, I would say to people, What's, what's really important to you? You know, as coming through the pandemic, I think for all of us, our values have changed, you know, and our values are essentially what is really important to us. 
it's a bit like, you know, when I made that decision to leave Pricewaterhouse all those years ago, it was because, you know, there was another purpose out there, something bigger, you know, that I really wanted to go for. And, and so I think, you know, people coming out of the pandemic, their values have shifted, you know, particularly around how they spend their time. You know, a lot of people now still working from home for a considerable period of time, uh, you know, their health and fitness, you know, has risen up the agenda for them. And, and they've made gains in their health and fitness that they don't want to lose. You know, they want to hold on mm -hmm. to that and hold on to it tightly. And also that time, perhaps, that they've got back spending with their, with their family. So there is something about helping people understand how have their values shifted, you know, over this period of time? And what does that mean for them as a person? And what does it mean for them as their career? You know, the career that they were in, is that still the right place for them? Or actually, is there something that would now be much more fulfilling for them? However, and I just wanted to qualify that a little bit, you know, one of the things that we're noticing, you know, I live in, in, in England, in the UK, uh, and I know it's the same in the States, you know, there is this real cost of living crisis that's come off the back of the pandemic as well. And so one of the things that I have been saying to a lot of my, my coachees is, you know, it's not necessarily the, the right time to take that massive leap. You know, it, it might be, you know, if, if circumstances allow, but for a lot of people, you know, it could be time just to build, you know, figure out what their purpose is, you know, while they're actually just still earning a, a monthly wage and uh, and looking after their families. So there's so much going on at the moment, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, I've never been someone to say, just, just jump off the cliff, you know, and, and hope for the best. Uh, and, and I think that's true now more than, more than ever. So I think, you know, that there are lots of, lots of small steps people can take. And that's what I've been encouraging my coaches to do is to think about their purpose, think about what's important and start thinking about, you know, how they might need to shift in, in a different direction. They might need to go off and, and reskill or, or they might need to build something in the background, you know, over weekends and, and during holidays, which is, you know, how I built my uh, consulting business, you know, many, many years ago, you know, I still had a job, but I used to do other things, you know, in my spare time, which wasn't much spare time. Uh, that was the way that I did it. So, so I think there's a lot going on for, for people. Uh, but I do see, you know, there, there is a shift. And people to say things like families, health and fitness, and really getting more enjoyment from their work. You know, there, is, there are three obvious things that have changed quite a lot for people. Mm -hmm. I too, I want to go back a little bit because I feel like when we are talking about that inner mind game and really the battle sometimes that people have with just starting something and setting yeah. those <clears throat> goals and having the priorities to accomplish <clears throat> it. I know for my generation, I am a recent college grad from last year. And I think even battling through the pandemic and having the different obstacles that we faced, it's odd how now more than ever, it's hard for people my age to take the first step of applying for a job or seeking mm -hmm. after a goal or trying to accomplish something new. Mm -hmm. And um, what would your advice be for you know, people to take that first step and to be able to have those goals and the priorities, but then actually take action to seek them out? 
Yeah, I think, you know, and it's interesting what you say, Addison. So what, what would be an example for you, would you say, you know, something that you're really interested in, you know, in, in this kind of post-grad environment for you? Yeah, well, for me, um, obviously getting a job and seeking out being employed was really, really big yeah. for me after graduating. <laughs> yeah. But since then, mm -hmm. having those side jobs kind of that you were talking about of the, mm -hmm. what do you work on on the side and what are some of your passion projects? And for me, mm -hmm. I love coaching people. I love being able to help inspire people. Um, mm -hmm. At one point in my life, I was Miss Oklahoma. And so being able to have kind of that title and being able mm -hmm. to be a role model to younger girls, that's something that I'm really passionate about. And so I've started to slowly coach younger women on different ways that they can yeah. accomplish their goals and accomplish their dreams and just mm -hmm. hopefully being um, a voice of reason or a voice of wisdom in their life. Um, mm -hmm. and so that's one of those side things that mm -hmm. I hope to continue to pursue and just develop and only increase the impact that I can have through it. But it's hard to have that launching point and to start and be really active in it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and I think, you know, it goes back to those those small steps. So if there is something like that, you know, if, if you take coaching as as an example, and you're thinking about, well, how, how, where do I start, you know, so, you know, part of it is actually taking some time and getting some new skills for, for yourself. And, and I remember, you know, when I was at, at PW, actually, then, then I did my training in, in neuro-linguistic programming, you know, and I was fortunate at the time that they sponsored me to do at least the start of that training. But then, you know, I, I then had to sponsor myself as I kind of went through the different levels. So it is thinking about, you know, how can I improve myself to start to prepare and, and start to get ready? Uh, and I know that, um, you know, things like evenings, weekends, trying to find people in your network. And, and actually, you know, if you say to people, oh, I'm really, you know, I'm training to be a coach. I'm looking for people that I can start working with. Very often people will say, yeah, yeah, you know, Addison, please work with me, you know, and, and people will step forward. So there, there are things that you can do, but of course, eventually you've got to turn that, if, you, if that's something that really is your purpose, mm -hmm. you've got to turn that into something that is a full-time, you know, a, a job with, with a good remuneration and sometimes making that transition, you know, can, can take a bit, a bit of time and resilience actually, because it's like everything you get your, your knockbacks. And, and I remember when I left my corporate career, you know, many times thinking, well, actually, have I, have I done the right thing? You know, <laughs> or, you know, should I, should I have stayed? Because life, although it was very busy, it was a lot simpler in many ways, you know, because then yeah. I, you know, I, I had a paycheck every month and I was, you know, working on great projects and going to nice places. So I think it is about looking at what, what are those smaller steps that uh, that you can take and of course now these days there's so much out there that's for free mm -hmm. so that you can start you know developing yourself without having to invest a lot of money and just to decide actually does this feel like my purpose for the future or maybe you know it, it, it's not what I thought it would be so you've got that opportunity I think right. in this day and age what with the freebies out there the free learning what you can get from YouTube you know you get the opportunity to at least trial things and decide whether it's something that that you would like to do but of course you know it's it's always the same finding those first paying clients whether they're coaching clients or corporate clients or or whatever they might be you know there's always a lot of hard work that uh, that's that sits behind that
Well, I like too that you mentioned just vocalizing it because I think it's so hard at first whenever you have a dream or an aspiration that you want to go after and something that you want to try. It can mm -hmm. be hard just to tell people and express it outwardly and say, I'm wanting to get into coaching or I'm wanting to mm -hmm. launch a business or whatever it might be. But it's so intimidating to almost say it out loud and then have to own up to it and achieve it and feel like there's some sort of pressure at that point. But I'm a person where if I vocalize something, I'm really going to go after it and I'm not going to just say that I want to do something and then not do it. Um, so I think there is a lot of power in voicing what your goals are. Yeah. And also mixing with other people that have got similar goals. That, that was something that I did a lot right. of, you know, I, I kind of found people, I mean, in NLP, we call it modeling, you know, so you, you find people that are already doing what you're doing and are very successful at it. And in my experience, if you say to somebody, and I really admire you, I'd really like to learn from you, would you be willing, you know, to allow me to come and really understand what's made you successful? I mean, nobody's ever turned me down, you know, in my younger days when I asked that, that question. And you can learn so much from other people that have already done it you know been there done it and, and mix with similar kind of you know mindseted people because one of the things that will hold you back is if you're with people that are like oh Addison what, what do you want to be doing that for you know that's 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 right risky. you know you want to be with people that will encourage you and support you and put you in touch with useful you know useful people so I think that's something else that uh, that's important but modeling you know we and when we talk about modeling you know it's really what somebody it's it's about that inner game because it's really understanding actually what do they believe about themselves that's helped them get to where they are and what's important to them and, and what strategies do they use uh, whether it be social media or, or whatever it might be you know what can I learn from those things and there is so much now that you can do it just takes time and a bit of hard work but actually doesn't need to take a lot of money you know to be able to test out some of those things absolutely I want to go back to a couple of things, which I think is going to lead into culture and this new kind of digital mm. um, era we're moving into. Mm. You know, I think what we've talked about is, you know, if I put my words on it, you know, people have defined their themselves by the title, the company, the things they were doing, the buildings they were walking into, you know, you kind of have mm. a definition of that is who I am and my value and I think the pandemic allowed people to see that other side. You know, I'm not, I'm not my title. I'm not walking into that building. Yeah. You know, I have other mm -hmm. things. And so you start aligning with your passion and mission. Mm -hmm. And I feel like company cultures are going to have to make transitions to where they're mindful that, you know, people aren't drawn to that shiny object of success mm -hmm. in corporate it's more passion or mission driven. So what have you seen that? Cause I know you do a lot of wor work outside of coaching mm. just around um, yeah. change mm. management mm. and culture, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Um, and what leaders, you know, like it takes a different kind of leader, I think to lead yeah. the day. Absolutely. I mean, we're doing a big piece at the moment with a public sector organization in the UK. And, and they're quite an interesting organization because actually they've moved hundred percent over to hybrid contracts. And so nobody is expected to go back into the office full time. You know, you can have this kind of hybrid arrangement, but equally, if you want to work from home all the time, then that's 
open to you as well. It does raise, though, from a cultural perspective, some quite interesting dilemmas, you know, particularly around this idea of if, you know, actually, I like to work from home because, you know, I can feed my health and my family and all those things that I really feel passionate about. But actually, if I'm not going into the office enough, you know, am I still being noticed, you know, and, and will it still have an impact on my career? And, and I don't want to be too generalist about it, but I think, you know, that's something for women in particular, you know, because working from home can facilitate, you know, picking the kids up, taking the kids to school. And yet, you know, we are beginning to see some signs that actually you're going to get this kind of two-tier culture. So you are mm -hmm. going to have the people that go into the office very deliberately, particularly if that's where the senior leaders still are, because that's where they can be most visible. Uh, so there is something there, I think, to be, to be mindful of. And and I think, you know, for organisations as well to really realise that um, understanding what people are passionate about and, and actually spending a bit more time on those things than pre-pandemic will pay dividends in the end. Because otherwise, you know, I think people, if, if they're not feeding what's important to them, they will up and leave you know and go somewhere where they can find that so so I think organizations from a cultural point of view are going to have to work harder that's what I'm noticing you know post pandemic and that's one of the things that we've been brought into this particular client to work with them on so it's working with all their leaders to really understand you know what has changed and mm -hmm. how can they be the best leaders you know post pandemic when they might have some staff in the office some staff at home you know these real mixed teams and how do you get the best you know out of uh, some some very diverse groups of people in in future and you know some things don't change as much you know things like we when we talk about culture we usually start from the perspective of values and, and behaviors uh, and so you know with this client we've actually done quite an interesting piece, which has been around, well, how have values shifted? What are you noticing about uh, those values? And one of the reasons why they went over to hybrid contracts was in order to keep their staff, you know, because they were beginning to recognise that if they were not willing to offer that, then people would go, would leave, you know, and go and find someone mm -hmm. that would. So building that into the values and the behaviours of an organisation uh, that's really important. But I think, you know, we're still in the process of defining what are the behaviours that make a really great leader post-pandemic. I mean, we've we've been saying for years that, again, it goes back to that. It's not just about the, the rational side. You know, it's, it's about having a leader that really understands where someone's coming from and the, and the emotional side, you know, that em emotional intelligence. But I think, you know, what we're seeing is because of these very diverse teams in future, you know, leaders are really going to have to start getting under the skin of that and, and understanding for each member of their team uh, what's what's important and, and how can they, you know, act, help them actualize that post-pandemic. Yeah. And there's normally not somebody with that day job, really, you know, leaders are doing their day job and then trying to do culture and, you know, trying to deal with teams and motivating them. Mm. But, but one thing you said that um, I think goes back to the inner self piece is 
you know, if you are able to work hybrid um, or total remote, you know, wh whatever the situation, I do feel like we have self-limiting beliefs about ourselves that could impact us really finding the balance that we're allowed or that has been created. So, for example, you know, I'm able to work at home, but I have a limiting belief that I will, I'm valuable if I'm not seen or, mm. you know, it's, it's, I have to perform for the applause, but whatever mm. those beliefs are, I'm not enough. So what you'll do is you'll go in and do all these extra things that might not really add into your favor. You're just diminishing the balance or something else you have, but it all starts in inside your head, right? It mm. all starts with you doing that. So how do people really identify their self limitations versus, you know, just embracing? And because, you know, I think some people can just set a goal and flourish and get it done. They still have the same, you know, mm -hmm. obstacles mm -hmm. in the way or self limitations. Mm -hmm. And then other people just get stuck or mm -hmm. they go into those old habits of performing mm -hmm. or pleasing or whatever that is that does not, the equation doesn't equal what they think it is. And then they're, you know, then they have some kind of displeasure, right? They're mm. unhappy about something. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. I think there's the kind of old ways of behaving are still out there. Uh, you know, I was talking to uh, a coachee the other day and it was very interesting because he had actually, <laughs> it was quite a funny story because he's a director in this organization. And he said to me, do you know what, Lindsay, you know, I, I drove, you know, it's, it's a 70 mile journey each way to get to get into the office. But I decided, you know, I needed to be visible, you know, so off he went to, to the office. And then he said, um, when I got there, uh, what was quite clear was was the CEO who I really wanted to see wasn't in that day, you know, and, and hadn't been in for, for some time. So so I think we can get a bit we can stumble over some of these myths, you know, in terms of is that really important? But it's kind of so ingrained in us. But what is the point of going into the office if actually, you know, the most senior people are, are working from home? So so I think it is about new ways of performing. And one of the things that we've been helping leaders with is, is helping them manage through output. So just being much clearer with their staff about what they need to deliver. So, you know, it's not about just being in, in the room anymore. It's being very clear about what, what they need to do and, and by when. And I know in a way that sounds quite a, a simple shift, but we're finding, you know, for, for a lot of leaders and managers, that's actually quite a new way of working. But as an individual, you know, if I've got clarity about what I'm supposed to be delivering, then does it matter if I'm at home or in the office, I can still do a good job, you know, and present to the leadership that I've done a, a good job. Uh, although, I mean, there may still be times when you would want to be in the office, but essentially, you know, if you can create that visibility through what you deliver. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things that, you um, this, this particular project that we're working on is just helping leaders just get to that level of granularity and just being, a, and as I say, it, it sounds easy, doesn't it? But just having that conversation where I might say to you and that, you know, okay, so let's figure out what your outcomes are for the next six months. And let's be very clear about those so that you know what, what you need to deliver 
uh, and and you know I've got a way of measuring your performance at the end and, and if you deliver that during the day or in the evening or even during the night you know as long as you're not in a customer services team it really doesn't matter to me you know you you can uh, design you know and create a life that um, that works for you so I think we're going through we are going through change, you know, and you'll have a lot of leaders that are kind of clinging on. It's a bit like, you know, some, some of the people that we talk to. Now the pandemic is, you know, supposed to be over, you know, to, to a largest extent, kind of thinking, oh, okay, we can all go back to normal now. Whereas they haven't quite caught up that they're, we're not going back to that place, you know. <laughs> yeah. There, there yeah. is no, there is no normal. And so it is about learning to lead and, and get the best out of people in, in a different way and help people to achieve their passions. Um, and just, you know, make sure that, as I say, this, this compassionate or emotional side of leadership starts to come through much more. But of course, that is a new way of lead of leadership yeah. for a lot of people who were just used to people being in a room with them and then just telling them, you know, what, what to do. So, so yeah, it, it, it is a big, you know, it's a time of change. And this program that we're developing at the moment, it's literally working with all of the leaders to help them identify what are the changes. But I think, you know, we're not, we don't have the definitive answer for that yet. You know, we're, we're mm -hmm. figuring that out and, um, and working with them on that. But I think, you know, one of the things that um, will make a difference is people being willing to, um, again, going back to the inner mindset, is taking much more responsibility for themselves, you know, rather than being in an office and it's like, feed me, feed me. It's about thinking, okay, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for myself uh, now. I mean, I always have been, but maybe, you know, it wasn't so evident, but now, you know, it's up to me how I create the life that I want and the, and the results that, that I want. Okay, so I before we run out of time, I really want to talk about the work you do around NLP because I'm kind of fascinated by that. Um, so when you go into work with a team or you know an individual coach, a leader, what what do you do? How do you use NLP um, in your process? Yeah, great question. I mean, when you when you think about neuro linguistic programming, I always talk about neuro as really being what you what you think, you know, and of course you have individuals in organizations that think and uh, and that goes right through to the kind of beliefs and, and values organization wide but of course an organization is made up of lots of of individuals uh, linguistics is around what you say you know and it's very interesting when you first go into an organization just to listen to the language that teams use you know what are the metaphors that they use about their success or about things that haven't gone so well and do they really notice what it is that they're focusing on? You know, are they focusing on success or are they focusing on the, the problems that are around for the team at the moment? So language is, is, is fascinating. And then programming is really around what people do, you know, the action that they take, which is really around, you know, what does that organisation believe is possible? Uh, and that, of course, is built up from the belief system of, of every individual that's in that organisation. But very often, you know, we might find that um, a team leader, you know, is, is limiting the success of their team uh, because of what they believe is possible. You know, and maybe they're focusing much more on problems, you know, than, than possibilities. And, and often 
you know, when you when you take a, an NLP lens, it's really helping people to observe those things because often they are unconscious. So people will use language in, a, in an unconscious way. You know, they might talk about work being a battlefield, you know, or really hard or really tough. And yet they don't notice really the impact that that has on their level of, of motivation. Or maybe they have a, a, a limiting belief about how that organization could compete with other competitors that actually they've not noticed before that might be holding them back in, in some way. So I think a lot of it is in the beginning is going in and listening, observing and playing back, you know, particularly the limitations that an organization or an individual may have created for themselves about what they believe is possible. Mm -hmm. And then once we've kind of start to get that model out, then we can start to work with them to move them forwards in a different way. And, and sometimes it can be as simple as giving them some different stories, you know, different metaphors uh, about success and, and, and achievement. I mean, on, on one level, that can work really well. Uh, but often it's really around helping people understand these the, the limitations that they have created. It's like, you know, we, we create this cage for, for ourselves mm -hmm. and starting people to help people understand where that's come from and, and often just that level of awareness will help them start to, to think bigger for themselves and, and move forwards in, in, a, in a different way. I mean, I was working with a very senior guy recently and uh, absolutely petrified of, uh, of doing presentations. And yet it was a really big part of his role and it was really starting to hold him back. And, and I really went into that from, you know, really using, you know, NLP and, and really helping him understand that actually the reason he was holding himself back was because of his background and uh, the way he was brought up as a, as a farmer's son, you know, out in the country. And this little voice in his head, you know, that was telling him, who do you think you are, you know, going up on that stage? you're not you know you're not good enough to do that and yet he had no conscious awareness of that at all so just by me listening and playing that back to him it was like boom you know it kind of opened mm -hmm. up this whole new plane of possibility for him so I think you know NLP can work on many on many different levels you know it helps us and when I worked at PW, you know, I'd, I'd been on many courses you know great programs actually but it wasn't until I, I tapped into NLP that I really began to understand this whole idea about mindset and filters, you know, and, and how people use what's happened to them in the past to dictate how they feel and what's possible for them now. So if you can start to shift that, and it, say, mm -hmm. it works on an organizational perspective as well, then, you know, you can get some very quick results with people. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and it, and it opens up a whole new world of, of possibilities. Yeah, it works kind of with emotional intelligence. I mean, we talk, mm -hmm. we have DNA, which are kind of our values at a yeah. future mm -hmm. point of view. And uh, we talk about having a high EQ and what that means. And, you know, we go back to the actions of what that looks like on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis. And so the, um, there's kind of what you say and the words you use mm. and kind of that, because uh, uh, I think people have sticks, you know, they mm -hmm. have this thing that, they put it's a shield they put out in front so it almost protects them that if 
something doesn't go right or they fail, then, well, you know, we are in a pandemic and it is <laughs> crazy. We don't have our norm set. It's like, well, mm. you can say that, but that's probably not helpful, you know, or, mm. or, you know, Hey, I'm not the brightest when it comes to technology. Well, what, you know, it's like what you're putting out there in front absolutely. of you. So, yeah. Yeah. And all goes back to the inner, you know, I, I, when I coach, I always talk about as a leader, you are the instrument. So if mm -hmm. I was going to be, you know, a flautist um, in an orchestra, I would want to know everything I could about that instrument, mm -hmm. right? I play, I learn the ins and out of it. I could probably fix things if it goes wrong. Um, I learn new techniques all the time. And as a leader, I feel like you have to do that too. You, you have to know about you, what triggers you, what mm. limits you. I love the whole inner mind and, you know, like, what are you saying? What are you putting out there? Um, are you really, you know, aligned with what you're passionate about? And mm. if not, why don't you make a switch? Mm. What is that that's holding you back? Um, mm. You know, what's triggers you? Because it's not about the trigger. It's probably about what's under that. So mm. I love that we're talking about this because I think, this just applies to everybody personally, professionally, yeah. you know, we all have this inner game that, yeah. um, you know, I think some of us just quit, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> we just, we just took our, our game shoes off and we just quit. And, and it's, yeah. it's, it's still unfulfilling. You're not getting closer to be fulfilled. It's, you're still unfulfilled. You're just, you know, not in the battle. It's interesting too, to me that those self-limiting beliefs and even sometimes not the self-limiting beliefs, but just the idea and the perspective that you have of yourself can really make an impact on your mental space and where you stand mm -hmm. in a work scenario or in a personal scenario. And for me, whenever I first began working at Future Point of View, I was talking to Scott, one of our founders, and he was talking to me just about how I am a very bright, bubbly person and all of these great things. And I was telling him that, you know, those are things I've been told throughout my whole life and all of this. And he very quickly almost corrected himself in a way to say, but you know that it's okay that you don't always have to be that person. And I think he could tell that I always feel the need to be the positive one, be the glass half full person. And mm -hmm. he quickly taught me and just allowed me almost to have the space in a work environment of it's okay to not just be one thing. And not just put yourself in the box of when I'm at work, I will be the one that makes everybody feel good and I will encourage everybody and be the cheerleader. But it's okay too to have other layers to yourself mm -hmm. and allow yourself the space to find yourself in different ways through whether it be a work experience or a personal life experience, but just almost allowing yourself the opportunity to grow outside of what you already predetermined. Um, can be so freeing and you can find a totally different perspective for who you want to be, which is really cool. But it's interesting how all those little things that you're told throughout your life or that you've told yourself throughout your life can hold you back in a way that maybe you didn't think they were. Um, and so it's freeing just to be able to find the space to allow yourself to grow in different ways. Yeah. And it goes back to what I said right at the beginning that, you know, if, if almost half our behaviors are just triggered, then, then just imagine, you know, that so much just happens, which is almost outside of our awareness. And, and I think one of the things that, you know, we're seeing more, a, a leaders willing to explore that space a bit more than they ever have been, mm -hmm. you know, rather than this is my work, you know, and this is not who I am as a person. It's about, no, actually, let's explore the whole person more. And, and I think we are, we're definitely noticing that leaders not all of them, but there are, there are a lot of leaders out there now who are just willing, you know, to open the box 
and have a look inside mm-hmm. and and that can only be for the benefit you know of, of their team and ultimately for for their organization absolutely yeah i've always called it pandora's box because you don't always know what you're gonna find <laughs> but it's, it's it's interesting to open and see what's going on yeah <laughs> Oh, and I have to ask you just as a fellow coach, because, you know, I coach people and I go in and work with teams and, you know, you're delivering great models and processes and being able to give people wisdom. And gosh, when you're this situation, you know, you know, think this way. And then I turn around in my own situation and, you know, I just do something. I'm like, why did I just do that? Like I just coach (laughs) against that, but I find myself, you know, I'm a very aware, but I, you know, I'm also, you know, evolving as well, Mm. even though I know all of it. So like you can Mm. know all the information. It doesn't mean in those situations, it always comes out. So do you find yourself doing that? Yeah, you know, just exactly the same, Annette. You know, sometimes people might say to me, do you know, Lindsay, you're a master trainer of NLP. I'm really surprised you just did that. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, but I'm a human being. <laughs> I don't always script the perfect communication, you know, and and sometimes I might upset somebody when I don't mean to, but that's because I'm a human being, you know, and, and every time something like that happens, and I hope, you know, that I'm going to learn from that experience and, and, and grow from it. But, you know, life would be pretty boring wouldn't it and that if we were (laughs) nothing ever went wrong well and and I think it it shows it's it's a it's an evolution like you it has it's an awareness it's something you have to work on even if you know it and can teach it it Mm. doesn't mean the execution comes without some work or intention Mm. you know I just I feel like some people think, well, you know, if I read a book, then, okay, then, you know, check, I've done that. Now, now I've got high emotional intelligence. And it's like, <laughs> until the day you don't, right? It's like, yeah. I always say I have high EQ until the moment I don't, because yeah. it happens. It happen. <laughs> and there, there will always be those times when, when I think, well, how did I miss that? You know, or yeah. times when my son's a bit older now, but when he was, in his early 20s and you know traveling a lot and and just as as a mum trying to get him to communicate with me on a regular (laughs) basis and often thinking to myself I am supposed to be good at this stuff (laughs) (laughs) and yet I'm kind of I've I've tried everything I know (laughs) (laughs) that's That's funny (laughs) well we we always end every show with um asking who are your force you know the the saying that you know who you put around you kind of determines your future so we always just you know um selfishly maybe like to know kind of who are your four who who are people that you've put around you that have really helped um kind of speak success into your life yeah that's that's you know when and when I thought about that question I thought gosh you know that's quite a hard one to to answer but there, there are four I mean there are two that um, came, come from my kind of NLP family. Uh, Dr. Tad James, who sadly passed away uh, fairly recently, but he was one of the first NLPers that, uh, that I really began to learn from. And then David Shepherd was uh, one of Tad's graduates and, and David started to offer lots of NLP trainings over here in, in the UK. So David was someone that I, that I, 
took my master trainer with. And so, you know, they're my two real role models from, uh, from neuro-linguistic programming. And then there's also a wonderful American lady called Peggy Dillon. Uh, and it's really interesting because Peggy's completely different to them, you know, very spiritual. And I did a, a two-year spiritual leadership program with, uh, with Peggy, which involved things like firewalking and sweat lodges and, and lots of different ritual, which, you know, as a corporate person, uh, really kind of opened my eyes to something very different. And I, and I guess that really showed me that you know, really brilliant leaders come in very different forms. Uh, and, uh, and Peggy, you know, she's, she's out there still and doing her thing. And, uh, and a, a wonderful lady, tells the most brilliant stories, actually. Uh, and then the other one that came to mind was a lady called Jane Graham Moore, who uh, is my, my agent. But the, re the reason I put her on the list is because uh, she really took a, a chance on me when I wrote my first book, because apparently you're not supposed to actually write the whole thing. You know, you're supposed to come up with an idea and then get a publisher. And, uh, and I'd written the whole thing. And, and so she said to me that uh, actually I've made her life much more difficult, you know, in, in order to try and find a publisher. Uh, and, I, and I had a few days when she said, I'm going to have to really think about this, Lindsay, you know, whether I'm going to take you on or not. Uh, but she came back and she said, yes, she would. You know, and I'm always very grateful to, to her. And, and I learned a lot from her as well. So so quite a mixture, you know, but all leaders, you know, all leaders in their in their own right. And, and four people that made a huge difference to uh, to my, you know, to my life. And, and I, without a doubt, I wouldn't be where I am today, uh, certainly without Tad, David and, and Peggy in, in particular. That's yeah. amazing. Well, Lindsay, thank you so, so much for spending time with us today. It has seriously been My so pleasure. great just to get to know you <laughs> and gain some wisdom from you. Um, before we wrap up though, I want you to share where people can connect with you, find you, follow along and see all the great things that you're doing. Yeah, good. Thanks, Addison. Um, well, I've got uh... The Change Corp, uh, and my email is lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, at the Change Corporation, which is all one word, .com. That's probably the easiest place to find me. Uh, and I've also got my uh, personal development business, which is called teamnlp.co.uk. Uh, and I also got an email, lindsay at teamnlp.co.uk. So either of those two places, you'll find me or Google Lindsay Agnes, you'll, you'll find me pretty, pretty easily. And uh, yeah, it'd be lovely actually to connect uh, with some of your listeners. And if people have got any questions about anything that I've talked about today, then, you know, be delighted to uh, do my best, you know, to, to answer them. Amazing. Thank you so, Thank so much. You. Yes. The Leader Spotlight podcast and blog is dedicated to continual learning and thought leading partnerships that will help us all grow as leaders. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, please email addison at fpov.com. And you can also visit our blog, medium.com slash leader spotlight for more great content.